This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. President Obama's trip to Cuba earlier this week was the first by a sitting president in 88 years. It was watched intently by almost everyone that may have somewhat of a vested interest in the future of relations between the United States and the island nation. We wanted to give you the perspective of someone that was right there when all of these things were going on. Our friend Gustavo Artevat is an advisory board member for Knowledge Award, and he's also a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. He was in Cuba earlier this week during that visit and has been gracious enough to give us some time here today. Gustavo, great to catch up with you again. Thank you, Dan. Good morning. It's great well, to join you and your audience. Thank you. Uh, give us your overall view of what the what the 72 hours was like. <laughs> well, I tell you, it was uh, historic, uh, to say the least. It was also very exciting uh, to be there. It was extraordinary um, because, like you mentioned, it was the first visit by, by a sitting U.S. president in, uh, in, more, in about uh, nine decades. Um, and, of course, given the relationship the United States and Cuba has had for the last 55 years. But it was also very normal uh, in the sense that uh, the things that you would expect to happen during a trip uh, of, a, of a president to visit a country anywhere in the world, but certainly not America, so I, I've, I've been with the president in, in similar instances, uh, were very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, you know, businesses uh, traveling with the president. You had other delegations traveling. Uh, you had uh, a host uh, who was very gracious. You had a president, of course, who was very gracious. A number of activities of the type that any, any president would embark in. And by and large, things went pretty, pretty well, uh, including, uh, as expected, including the traffic jams. Uh, in, uh, in Havana. <laughs> well, and, and you were there, I guess, what, about a day in advance of the president coming in? Yes, yes. What was it just that 24-hour period like to, to see uh, this country basically preparing for something that hadn't happened, as you said, in almost nine decades? Right. So the streets were uh, were clean. Uh, there was some last-minute painting on, on, on buildings, from what I could tell. Uh, I think uh, Havana, this is my sixth trip to Havana in the last year or so. And I had never seen it uh, so, uh, you know, so clean and so orderly in many ways. Uh, and the people were very excited uh, to have the president. They, you know, they, they knew that this was historic and they were, they were uh, witnessing uh, history or about to witness history. Uh, and I think they really uh, enjoyed uh, living that moment. You, as you said, you've, you've been there quite a bit over the last year. And, and just seeing that last 24-hour period, do you think that type of, uh, of just basic improvement in terms of the streets and, and uh, just a lot of the basic services that, that, that cities need, do you think that is a pattern that will continue now? Yeah, look, I think that uh, the, the Cuban uh, government recognizes that uh, there are a lot of uh, services uh, that they need to provide to their citizens uh, right now. It's, it's lacking uh, and I think they need to focus on that. They will continue to focus on that. It's a matter of resources, of course. As a country uh, improves its economic situation over the over the long run, I think the citizens can expect to see uh, better infrastructure over time, 
uh, cleaner streets and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but I was very um, I was very impressed with the work that they did uh, to get things ready for the for the president. We saw obviously with the video uh, on the various networks quite a few of the ceremonial type events that that went on. Uh, obviously, including President Obama and uh, Raul Castro going to the uh, exhibition game uh, at the stadium in Havana. But how much serious conversation do you think went on in such a short amount of time? Oh, I'm, I, I, I know that there were uh, you know, bilateral discussions uh, between uh, the two uh, presidents that touched on every aspect of the relationship, everything from uh, you know, reviewing where the relationship stands, uh, what more needs to be done. There's a lot more that needs to be done, certainly on the commercial front, discussions about that. And I, I know that the president also spoke with President uh, Castro uh, about human rights, um, which, by the way, is a, is a, is a, is a two-way conversation, because I'm also certain that President uh, Castro shared his perspective on Cuba's, uh, uh, you know, the, the Cubans have their own uh, perception of, of, of human rights and collective rights, which differ somewhat from those in the United States. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it was very fluid and, and interesting uh, dialogue. I wish I had, uh, you know, I, I imagine being a fly on the wall uh, on those uh, discussions. Um, but from what I gathered, they were very, you know, good, uh, uh, candid uh, conversations, uh, which the president described also when he gave a speech uh, in Cuba, which was uh, fascinating because it was uh, fairly uh, candid and yeah. it was also broadcast live to the, to all the Cuban people. And that is interesting in the fact that he was so candid. A lot of times when you get these these types of visits, you do get a little bit of a, a level of wash that happens because one side doesn't want to maybe get under the skin of the other. Seemingly, President Obama kind of laid it out for everybody. He did. And, of course, he had two audiences. He had the, yeah. the, the American audience uh, and particular elements within the American audience that expect him uh, to focus on certain uh, elements such as uh, human rights. Um, and uh, but of course he was also speaking, I think, more importantly to the Cuban people, uh, and giving them his vision uh, of, um, uh, of of governance. Of, of and you know, but more importantly, I think, you know, laying out what um, you know what his policy objectives are with respect to Cuba. And I think, interestingly enough, you know, he began by saying, making it very clear that he went there offering friendship and peace. Yeah. Uh, rec- you know, of course, recognizing the differences between the two countries, uh, but making it clear that he wants to put the Cold War behind him. You know, he talked about how, uh, you know, he was born um, the same year as the as the Bay of Pigs invasion. Yeah. And and in the perspective, basically, you know, saying, look, guys, a lot of bad stuff, bad history between us, but that has to remain in the past. Um, and he also, I think, very importantly, made it clear that the United States, in his words, had no intention or capacity. To, to cause change in Cuba. In other words, the Cubans and only the Cubans can bring about political and economic change. And the United States cannot and will not uh, force the Cubans to force that kind of change in the Cubans. Nor would you expect them to, correct? Uh, the U.S. government? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the history uh, before this president, uh, you know, one can you know, argue uh, until, um, certainly before this president, uh, our, um, uh, our, our policies were aimed at, uh, for lack of a better term, regime change. Uh, and if, uh, you know, absent actual regime change, uh, causing the incentivizing uh, the government to change its policies, yeah. maybe changing its, you know, its type of government, et cetera, clearly that has not worked. From an, uh, from an economic perspective, with all the meaningful work done right now, 
is trade and, and and various economic issues between the two sides the most important hurdles to cross outside of all uh, of the other issues uh, with with people uh, on the island of Cuba? Yeah, I think it. You know, it, 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 there are a number of different areas, right? Um, but trade, I think, certainly is on a practical level probably the most important one, and the reason is because. Um, that's where you've got a a number of U.S. businesses that are very interested uh, in pursuing um, trade deals or opportunities in Cuba. You certainly have a lot of Americans who want to go to Cuba, uh, visit the island, uh, which is another form of trade. And I think that over the long run, what the United States wants to do, and certainly the president wants to do, is for those kinds of links, those kinds of engagement, you know, will lead to uh, more prosperity, you know, for the American people, but also for the Cuban people, and that that, over time, will lead to change on the island. But it's not something that's being forced on the Cubans. It's something more of an aspirational goal, something that the United States believes will follow naturally because of that engagement. What do you think are going to be the most meaningful changes on the island, within Cuba itself, over the next year or two? Because as we've talked about, and I think it's 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 pretty well set in stone right now, that we're not going to see, uh, I think, a true opening uh, of relations totally while President Obama is in office. I don't think that that will happen in time. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to even look out two, three, four years, potentially before that type of thing happens, correct? Well, if you're, if you're talking about uh, lifting the, the embargo, yeah. uh, so there are you know, various aspects of the embargo. Uh, one important aspect is the, is the so-called travel embargo, which is basically that Americans now are prohibited from traveling to Cuba except if they fall under one of 12 general uh, categories, uh, or I suppose they could try to obtain a specific license to do something, that's very burdensome for the average uh, American to do so. But uh, the bottom line is the American cannot simply go to Cuba and engage in what might be termed to be uh, tourism, right? That's not possible to do. Uh, ironically, uh, any Cuban, or virtually any Cuban who can get a U.S. visa can come to the United States and engage in, in tourism. Um, there is there, there's, a, there's a bill before the Congress to enable Americans to exercise their rights to travel freely uh, to Cuba. Um, I am fairly certain that if the Republican leadership were to allow a vote on that, I think that bill would pass overwhelmingly. Um, and uh, you know, different political uh, observers think there's maybe a 50-50 chance of that occurring before the president uh, leaves. Uh, but realistically, probably the rest of the embargo, the, the, the local the sanctions, particularly on the trade side and, and the business side. That will, will probably not happen until after the, the president uh, leaves. Um, and, of course, um, you know, although the president, I think, has lifted uh, sanctions, I think has tried to whittle away at some of the restrictions, um, until the embargo is really lifted wholly, it'll be, it'll be much more challenging, very difficult uh, for American businesses to, to enter into the Cuban market. And, of course, it's always the uncertainty that uh, that can be rolled back by a future president because these changes have occurred because of executive authority. What's your sense of Raul Castro and what he wants to see for Cuba now going forward? You know, I, I can't. I don't want to pretend to to uh, to think for him or try to read his his mind. Uh, I think he is um, a leader who, of course, uh, along with his brother, uh, prosecuted uh, a revolution uh, many years ago. They overthrew a, um, a thuggish dictatorship that was in, in, in place at the time. Uh, you know, certainly there have been challenges, uh, particularly in the early years of the, of the revolution. I think that he imagined that he believes, uh, along with those people who, who fought along his side, 
believe that they are protectors uh, of the goals of that revolutionary movement. Um, but at the same time, he also knows that, like any other human being, um, the clock is ticking and he's not going to live forever. And so it's important for him to pass the torch to a new, new leadership. He, he did announce a, a few years ago that he would be leaving power in February yep. of 2018, which I think is an important move. Um, now, we have to wait to see. There's going to be a party congress, uh, the 7th Communist Party Congress, next month uh, that will take a look at a number of, uh, of changes. Uh, and there are rumors that, um, among other things, term limits will be introduced so that the president of Cuba can, can, cannot serve for more than two five-year consecutive terms. Mm-hmm. Also some rumors that uh, the Constitution, uh, the, the whatever changes they they agree on, uh, they'll have to be reflected in a new constitution or more, or probably more amendments to a new constitution uh, that, among other things, will facilitate uh, foreign investment and also, importantly, um, private sector uh, activities, which I think the government, Rural Castro himself, recognizes that's important for the private sector, for small entrepreneurs in particular, uh, to be able to, um, to, you know, to uh, contribute to the growth, economic growth of the company through their activities. In terms of the changes that have been made and, and changes that will happen going forward, how swiftly do you think these will happen, or, or will they have a little bit of a, of a slower pace to them? Yeah, it'll, it'll take time. It'll take time because I think the Cubans, um, uh, you know, so, so one of the things that the president's trying to do and in this trip, you know, one of the major element is, was to continue to, to, to build momentum. Um, to send a clear message to to the Cubans, for example, that the United States remains serious, as, and, and, and to, to indicate the, the the seriousness and determination, and to, and to continue to build trust, which I think has been lacking for so many years, um, and also uh, for Americans, uh, you know, to indicate that the the policy approach is reasonable, that it should be normal for U.S. businesses to to want to do business in Cuba, and for Americans to want to travel to Cuba, and for also for Cuban Americans. As you know, has played such an important role in the design and execution of this policy for so many years. To want to travel to Cuba and, and help their their fellow Cubans, like any other um, you know immigrant uh, group. Um, having said that, I think there's still a lot more trust to be built over time, and I think the Cubans in particular need to feel confident about the intentions of the U.S. So they're going to take their time. They're going to take their yeah. time to look at uh, what's being presented to them, uh, who they feel more comfortable to to work with. Uh, and remember, it's not just the United States. Um, there are a lot of other countries in, in the world who want to do business in Cuba. Yeah. And so the Cubans have been flooded with ideas and proposals from uh, all over the world. So they need to take their time. Uh, it's also a capacity issue. They just don't have um, you know, the, the, the number of people to be able to analyze this and uh, the speed with which you know, we're used to in the United States. Getting back to President Obama and his speech, too, that was uh, seen by the uh, by the Cuban public, is there a level of that, and I think you alluded to it briefly, but expand on it a little bit more, that the president was trying to reach the Cuban people and basically say, listen, we want to be your friend. We want to be your partner going forward. We are not going to back away. We are going to be here for you going forward. That, that's exactly right. That was, that was the message. And by the way, one of the things that I thought was interesting that he did was you know, he made reference to his own background as a man of mixed race. Uh, he made reference to the struggles faced by African Americans, um, and uh, and yet how you know someone like him, uh, being the son of an African man um, and a 
uh, a woman really on public assistance, a, you know, white woman on public assistance, and how he, despite all that and the struggles and, and, and the prejudice that we're all you know, familiar with, he was able to become president of the United States. And the reason that's important is because, of course, uh, so many people in Cuba uh, are of African descent, of mixed race. And so I think that was um, a message that was uh, well-received by the Cuban people because of that. Um, his approval ratings, by the way, in Cuba are astronomical. There was a, a poll that was done last year that indicated that uh, he has like an, something like an 80 percent uh, approval rating. Wow. I think he would have a good chance of winning uh, pre- the presidency in Cuba if he were to run there. Um, he's a very popular person yeah. uh, in Cuba, I have to tell you. Eighty percent, you know, that's you might you might as well pencil him in right now, right? <laughs> he's made. He's joked about how uh, how Michelle said uh, you're not you're not running for president of any, no. any country. You're done. No, uh, exactly. So I want yeah, you back. Exactly. Uh, I, you obviously enjoyed the trip, Gustavo. Uh, thank you for giving us a, a few minutes of your time today. My pleasure, Dan. You got it, Gustavo Arnavat uh, from the Center for Strategic and International Studies, also an advisory board member here with Knowledge at Wharton. Uh, To kind of continue our conversation about President Obama's trip, prior to the president going, we had, of course, the Cuba Opportunity Summit in New York City. We, at that time, had a chance to speak with Alex Lee, who is with the State Department, and he is a deputy secretary that oversees South America and Cuba. And uh, we wanted to play this uh, interview for you. They, he asked that we play it after the president uh, made his visit. Uh, but we wanted to play this so that you had some insight as to what the government is thinking about this visit to Cuba and President Obama. So here's the conversation. Pleasure now to be joined by Alex Lee, who is the uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for South American Cuba with the State Department, joining us here at our table at the NASDAQ in New York City. Thank you very much for giving us a few minutes. Greatly sure. appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Where is the relationship now between the United States and Cuba? I mean, we're you know more than a year out from the president making the announcement. Where are we overall right now? Well, uh, actually, the progress that we've done, and, and, and I'm saying this as a perspective of somebody who uh, has worked on a relationship when the relationship was essentially frozen in amber. Um, in the past 15 months, we have made remarkable progress. Um, when I was working uh, on Cuba before the president's announcement, um, many times our, our discussions with the Cubans were very strained. We had limited opportunities for discussion. After the announcement, the president's announcement, basically there was a flowering of government-to-government discussions on a whole variety of issues, whether it's environmental, Mm -hmm. law enforcement cooperation, search and rescue cooperation, fighting against trafficking in persons, uh, discussing commercial opportunities, discussing human rights, too, in a very respectful way. So the the government-to-government discussion and negotiations in very complicated areas um, has been very successful. For example, we've recently reached agreement on regu- regularly scheduled airline yeah, flights. Yeah. Um, Verizon making the deal. Verizon making the, deals. The, yep. uh, Sprint making deals. Hotels, uh, hotel units. I mean, it's it's exactly. amazing. So it's remarkable where we're going. Um, there's still much to do. There are challenges in the relationship. Yeah. Um, but given what we've been able to accomplish and given that the president's visit, which is being enthusiastically welcomed by average Cubans, um, 
I'm very confident that uh, this relationship is here to stay. It is amazing, though, to see how much has developed. And, and you still do technically have that embargo there, but seemingly it's lost a little bit of, of its power. Yeah. Well, we have tried uh, to work with the president's vision. The president's vision was, uh, and he told uh, his team, okay, the embargo is a legal reality. Yeah. Only Congress can change it. But if you can help figure out how we can strengthen people-to-people -people linkages, how we can facilitate uh, communications on the island, yeah. uh, from the island and to the island, and if you can figure out ways of helping um, uh, expand Cuban civil society yeah. and uh, the Cuban private sector and provide greater opportunities, well, go to it. And essentially that's what we've done, but it's always required careful consultation with the lawyers. <laughs> is there still a concern, though, uh, of the fact that it is a Castro government? You know, in some respects, obviously it has changed quite a bit, but, you know, there are still stories out there uh, of concerns of people being arrested for realistically no reason. Well, that is actually one of the areas uh, of continuing uh, frustration uh, on our part yep. um, because it contrasts so starkly with what we've been able to accomplish on these complicated sets of, of issues that we've been negotiating with the Cubans. Um, on the other hand, uh, they have been very, they remain remain very intolerant yeah. of people expressing a dissenting view. Uh, Short-term arrests have actually soared in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, and we believe that everybody should be allowed to express their view, as long as they're not, you know, um, uh, breaking the law or fomenting violence. People, yeah. we think it's just a natural right for individuals to be able to express themselves. And so we... Uh, this is an issue which the president, the secretary, um, and individuals below are constantly raising with the Cuban government. And we also point out to the Cubans' uh, officials, it's in their interest, if they want to remove the embargo, um, they are going to need legislators to vote for it. Yeah. And every time that they arrest somebody or they beat somebody up um, or they deny somebody um, through a kangaroo court, yeah. then... Um, that makes it much harder for our legislators sitting on the fence to make the decision yeah. uh, to vote for repealing the embargo. What's the most important thing that, that businesses need to know that are, that, are, that are interested in wanting to be involved in, in this movement towards Cuba right now? Okay. Uh, businesses need to look and assess very carefully uh, the area of interest to see whether they can do it under the embargo, yeah. uh, to see whether the Cuban government is going to uh, facilitate it. This is a very top-down society, yeah. um, and the Cuban government essentially wants to prioritize investment to Cuban-owned companies, yeah. uh, Cuban government-owned companies. Yeah. And that's like a fundamental reality that you just have to pay attention. There are many things that the Cuban government could do to facilitate the growth of a private sector, um, uh, to, to basically unleash that job-generating potential of small businesses, they've been kind of reluctant to do it. Mm -hmm. And this is a challenge for them. So the 
Cuba is going to remain kind of a, a difficult and challenging market, but there are opportunities. And I, I, while I'm not in a position to talk about them in advance, yeah. you will hear when the president goes some significant business deals for American but, businesses. But still, I mean, it, it's been amazing, as you said. I mean, you know, Verizon just made their announcement the other day. Hotel chains, you know, all kinds of different businesses are being able to work within the system, which, you know, it tells you that, that obviously the opportunities are there and the fact that they can move forward with some of these operations are there as well. Right. If they do their homework and they figure out those, those areas for them to work, um, yes, they are. And, and, and we welcome that. We're talking with Alex Lee, who is the uh, with the U.S. State Department, Deputy Assistant Secretary for South America and Cuba here on Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Going forward, how quickly do you see this relationship building out? Uh, I mean, how quickly will this move, even from what we've seen in the last 15 months, which is just incredible? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that we'll have progress. Um, but really, given the history of both countries and given, you know, different conception of how we should organize our societies because the Cuban government and our uh, government's vision is, and, and our cultures are, are completely different on that score, it's going to take a while. Yeah. So this is, this is a long-term relationship, yeah. um, and it's going to take a while for all of its potential to manifest itself. Last question for you. It, it, it is also a relationship that, as far as it's come right now, even with whatever is happening in Washington, D.C., it's seemingly too far down the tracks for it to you make a U-turn and go the other way, depending on who ends up being in the White House in, in the next few months. Uh, well, that's, that's certainly my personal view, and I think that's the view of most people looking at this relationship. And clearly, it is the goal of this administration to create uh, the incentives um, for any new administration to come in and say, you know, um, all of these things that have been negotiated are actually in our national interest, and yeah. we should keep them. Great to have you, Mr. Lee. Thank you very Thank much. You. Greatly appreciate it. Alex Lee, who is the Deputy Assistant Secretary for South America and Cuba with the U.S. State Department. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.